Matthew Henry's Commentary on the Whole Bible 2 Samuel 4 When Abner was slain David was at a loss for a friend to perfect the reduction of those tribes that were yet in Ishbosheth's interest. Which way to adopt for the accomplishment of it he could not tell, but here providence brings it about by the removal of Ishbosheth. 1. Two of his own servants slew him, and brought his head to David, verses 1-8. 2. David, instead of rewarding them, put them to death for what they had done, verses 9-12. Ishbosheth slain by his servants, 1048 BC. 1. And when Saul's son heard that Abner was dead in Hebron, his hands were feeble, and all the Israelites were troubled. 2. And Saul's son had two men that were captains of bands, the name of the one was Bana, and the name of the other Rechab, the sons of Rimmon a Berathite, of the children of Benjamin, for Beroth also was reckoned to Benjamin, three and the Berathites fled to Gitaim, and were sojourners there until this day. For in Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel, and his nurse took him up, and fled, and it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell, and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. Five and the sons of Rimmon the Berathite, Rechab and Bana, went, and came about the heat of the day to the house of Ishbosheth, who lay on a bed at noon. Six and they came thither into the midst of the house, as though they would have fetched wheat, and they smote him under the fifth rib, and Rechab and Bana his brother escaped. Seven for when they came into the house, he lay on his bed in his bedchamber, and they smote him, and slew him, and beheaded him, and took his head, and get them away through the plain all night. 8 And they brought the head of Ishbosheth unto David to Hebron, and said to the king, Behold the head of Ishbosheth the son of Saul thine enemy, which sought thy life, and the Lord hath avenged my lord the king this day of Saul, and of his seed. Here is, 1. The weakness of Saul's house. Still it grew weaker and weaker. 1. As for Ishbosheth, who was in possession of the throne, his hands were feeble, verse 1. All the strength he ever had was from Abner's support, and now that he was dead he had no spirit left in him. Though Abner had, in a passion, deserted his interest, yet he hoped, by his means, to make good terms with David, but now even this hope fails him, and he sees himself forsaken by his friends and at the mercy of his enemies. All the Israelites that adhered to him were troubled, and at a loss what to do, whether to proceed in their treaty with David or number two. As for Mephibosheth, who in the right of his father Jonathan had a prior title, his feet were lame, and he was unfit for any service, verse 4. He was but five years old when his father and grandfather were killed. His nurse, hearing of the Philistines' victory, was apprehensive that, in pursuit of it, they would immediately send a party to Saul's house, to cut off all that pertained to it, and would especially aim at her young master, who was now next heir to the crown. Under the apprehension of this, she fled with the child in her arms, to secure it either in some secret place where he could not be found, or in some strong place where he could not be got at, and, making more haste than good speed, she fell with the child, and by the fall some bone was broken or put out, and not well set, so that he was lame of it as long as he lived, and unfit either for court or camp. See what sad accidents children are liable to in their infancy, the effect of which may be felt by them, to their great uneasiness, all their days. Even the children of princes and great men, the children of good men, for such a one Jonathan was, was, children that are well tended, and have nurses of their own to take care of them, yet are not always safe. 
What reason have we to be thankful to God for the preservation of our limbs and senses to us, through the many perils of the weak and helpless state of infancy, and to own His goodness in giving His angels a charge concerning us, to bear us up in their arms, out of which there is no danger of falling, Psalm 91 verse 12. 2. The Murder of Saul's Son. We are here told. 1. Who were the murderers, Bana and Rechab, verses 2 and 3. They were own brothers, as Simeon and Levi, and partners in iniquity. They were or had been Ishbosheth's own servants, employed under him, so much the more base and treacherous was it in them to do him a mischief. They were Benjamites, of his own tribe. They were of the city of Beeroth, for some reason which we cannot now account for care is here taken to let us know, in a parenthesis, that that city belonged to the lot of Benjamin, so we find, Joshua 18 verse 25, but that the inhabitants, upon some occasion or other, perhaps upon the death of Saul, retired to Gitaim, another city, city which lay not far off in the same tribe, and was better fortified by nature, being situate, if we may depend upon Mr. Fuller's map, between the two rocks Bozes and Sene. There the Barathites were when this was written and probably took root there, and never returned to Beeroth again, which made Beeroth, that had been one of the cities of the Gibeonites, Joshua 9 verse 17, to be forgotten and Gitaim to be famous long after, as we find, Nehemiah 11 verse 33. 2. How the murder was committed, verses 5 to 7. See here, 1. The slothfulness of Ishbosheth. He lay upon his bed at noon. It does not appear that the country was at any time of the year so hot as to oblige the inhabitants to retire at noon, as we are told they do in Spain in the heat of summer, but Ishbosheth was a sluggish man, loved his ease and hated business, and when he should have been, at this critical juncture, at the head of his forces in the field, or at the head of his councils in a treaty with David, he was lying upon his bed and sleeping, for his hands were feeble, verse 1, and so were his head and heart. When those difficulties dispirit us which should rather invigorate us and sharpen our endeavors we betray both our crowns and lives. Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty and ruin, ruin. The idle soul is an easy prey to the destroyer. 2. The treachery of Bana and Rechab. They came into the house, under pretense of fetching wheat for the victualling of their regiments, and such was the plainness of those times that the king's corn chamber and his bed chamber lay near together, which gave them an opportunity, when they were fetching wheat, to murder him as he lay on the bed. We know not when and where death will meet us. When we lie down to sleep we are not sure, but that we may sleep the sleep of death before we awake, nor do we know from what unsuspected hand a fatal stroke may come. Ishbosheth's own men, who should have protected his life, took it away. 3. The murderers triumphed in what they had done. As if they had performed some very glorious action, and the doing of it for David's advantage was enough not only to justify it, but to sanctify it, they made a present of Ishbosheth's head to David, verse 8 Behold the head of thy enemy, than which they thought nothing could be more acceptable to him, yeah, and they made themselves instruments of God's justice, ministers to bear his sword, though they had no commission. The Lord hath avenged thee this day of Saul and of his seed. Not that they had any regard either to God or to David's honor, they aimed at nothing but to make their own fortunes, as we say, and to get preferment in David's court, but to ingratiate themselves with him, they pretended a concern for his life, a conviction of his title, and a zealous desire to see him in full possession of the throne. Jehu pretended zeal for the Lord of hosts when an ambition to set up himself and his own family was the spring of his actions. 
Ishbosheth's murder is punished, 1048 BC. 9 And David answered Rechab and Bana his brother, the sons of Rimmon the Berethite, and said unto them, As the Lord liveth, who hath redeemed my soul out of all adversity, 10 When one told me, saying, Behold, Saul is dead, thinking to have brought good tidings, I took hold of him, and slew him in Ziklag, who thought that I would have given him a reward for his tidings, 11 How much more, when wicked men have slain a righteous person in his own house upon his bed? Shall I not therefore now require his blood of your hand, and take you away from the earth? 12 And David commanded his young men, and they slew them, and cut off their hands and their feet, and hanged them up over the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth, and buried it in the sepulchre of Abner in Hebron. We have here justice done upon the murderers of Ishbosheth. 1. Sentence passed upon them. There needed no evidence, their own tongues witnessed against them, they were so far from denying the fact that they gloried in it. David therefore shows them the heinousness of the crime, and that blood called for blood from his hand, who was now the chief magistrate, and was by office the avenger of blood. And, perhaps, he was the more vigorous in the prosecution because for reasons of state he had spared Joab, shall I not require the blood of the slain at the hand of the slayers, and, since they cannot make restitution, take theirs instead of it? Observe, 1. How he aggravates the crime, verse 11. Ishbosheth was a righteous person, he had done them no wrong, nor designed them any. As to himself, David was satisfied that what opposition he gave him was not from malice, but mistake, from an idea he had of his own title to the crown, and the influence of others upon him, who urged him to put in for it. Note, charity teaches us to make the best, not only of our friends, but of our enemies, and to think those may be righteous persons who yet, in some instances, do us wrong. I must not presently judge a man a bad man because I think him so to me. David owns Ishbosheth an honest man, though he had created him a great deal of trouble unjustly. The manner of it much aggravated the crime. To slay him in his own house, which should have been his castle, and upon his bed, when he was in no capacity of making any opposition, this is treacherous and barbarous, and all that is base, and that which the heart of every man who is not perfectly lost to all honor and humanity will rise with indignation at the thought of. Assassinating is confessedly the most odious and villainous way of murdering. Cursed is he that smitteth his neighbor secretly. 2. He quotes a precedent, verse 10, he had put him to death who had brought him the tidings of the death of Saul, because he thought it would be good tidings to David. Nothing is here said of that Amalekites helping Saul to kill himself, only of his bringing the tidings of his death, by which it should seem that the story he told was upon inquiry found to be false, and that he lied against his own head. Now, says David, did I treat him as a criminal, and not a favorite, as he expected, who brought me Saul's crown, and shall those be held guiltless that bring me Ishbosheth's head? 3. He ratifies the sentence with an oath, verse 9 As the Lord liveth, who hath redeemed my soul out of all adversity. He expresses himself thus resolutely, to prevent the making of any intercession for the criminals by those about him, and thus piously to intimate that his dependence was upon God for the putting of him in possession of the promised throne, and that he would not be beholden to any man to help him to it by any indirect or unlawful practices. God had redeemed him from all adversity hitherto, helped him over many a difficulty, and through many a danger, and therefore he would depend upon him to crown and complete his own work. He speaks of his redemption from all adversity as a thing done, though he had many a storm yet before him, 
because he knew that he who had delivered would deliver. 4. Hereupon he signs a warrant for the execution of these men, verse 12. This may seem severe when they int intended him a kindness in what they did, but 1. He would thus show his detestation of the villainy. When he heard that the Lord smote Nabal, he gave thanks, 1 Samuel 25 verses 38 and 39, for he is the God to whom vengeance belongeth, but, if wicked men smite Ishbosheth, they deserve to die for taking God's work out of his hand. 2. He would thus show his resentment of the great affront they put upon him and expecting that he should patronize and reward it, they could scarcely have done him a greater injury than thus to think him altogether such a one as themselves, one that cared not what blood he waded through to the crown. 2. Execution done. The murderers were put to death according to law, and their hands and feet were hung up, not their whole bodies, the law forbade that, but only their hands and feet, in terrorum to frighten others, to be monuments of David's justice, and to make that to be taken notice of which would recommend him to the esteem of the people, as a man fit to rule, and that aimed not at his own preferment, nor had any enmity to the house of Saul, but only and sincerely designed the public welfare. But what a confusion was this to the two murderers! What a horrid disappointment! And such those will meet with who think to serve the interests of the son of David by any immoral practices, by war and persecution, fraud and rapine, who, under color of religion, murder princes, break solemn contracts, lay countries waste, hate their brethren, and cast them out, and say, Let the Lord be glorified, kill them, and think they do God good service. However men may canonize such methods of serving the church and the Catholic cause, Christ will let them know, another day, that Christianity was not intended to destroy humanity, and those who thus think to merit heaven shall not escape the damnation of hell.